Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are glad to have you. Thank you for being here. Uh, I'm your host, Kurt Geyer. Doug Schmidt. Austin Chandler. The Lord. And guest hosting, the country of Chaz. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, God damn it. Thanks for being here again. Glad to be here. Happy to stick around. Second podcast. How's it feel? Feels good. A little bit more confident. Not so nervous this time. <laughs> a couple you push lights down. Getting loose. Couple up. more. The only thing that makes it different from a real conversation is one: there's a facilitated like direction, and there's a microphone in your face. That's it. It's really it. Other than that, you just get drunk and do dumb things if you want. I mean, whatever. We're not here to judge what you do, man. But just, it will be recorded though. But we're glad you're here. Yeah, and it's <laughs> on record forever to ruin your political career in the future. <laughs> no, that's all right. That, that's why you guys are my people. That's right, man. We uh, don't care about a whole lot. Except no, for we don't. Except for hunting and family. Um, but hunting first. I'm kidding. Um, the podcast is <laughs> but pres- not really. But not, not really. really. <laughs> the podcast is presented by HHA Sports, and we have a code WCB15, so you can save yourself some money on their website if you're looking to get into a new site or a Christmas new rest. Is coming up. Christmas is coming up. Save some cash. You can also win an HHA Tetra if you subscribe oh, wow. to our YouTube and show us you subscribed. Wow. You could win an HHA Tetra, wow. a Scent Crusher gear bag, Holy smokes. or a Working Class Bowhunter swag well, that's bag. That's pretty neat. We're just trying to help people help us. You it's know? a whole lot of neatness. We're trying to help you help us and help each other. Help me help you. <laughs> that's right. We can't give you free stuff if you don't help us. <laughs> Um, HHA, absolutely love that brand, love the people, love everything about them. Uh, partner of ours for a long time, super thankful for it. Um, WCB15. Also, Scent Crusher. Um, of course, we're all big believers in Scent Crusher, what they do, the products, and the people. That's a big thing here with us and our partners. Uh, the gear bag and roller bag are probably my top two guys right now. Oh, yeah, roller um, bags. The new locker is the jam. 
Locker's good, too. Um, here's the thing. If you're thinking about a gear bag or a roller bag, the gear bag, you have to plug it in, but the size is right there, and you can put it on like a backpack. The roller bag, convenient, more space. You can roll it around with the awesome handle. kind of mm-hmm. rolls like luggage, but it's part of the Halo series, so you can charge the ozone unit yeah. and then take that with you. Which so I didn't think it was a big deal, but it is actually it's pretty, pretty awesome. It's that pretty might sweet. be something to look into for the Alaska trip. Yeah, there you go. charge that baby up and bring it with. Honestly, yeah, just borrow mine. Probably just take one of those bags. Yeah, we can lend a we could lend a helping hand. Um, also, loophole optics um, from good rangefinders to good optics uh, binos ten by forty twos is what we're all running. A good rangefinder as an archery hunter is confidence in the bag. Um, I love my loophole rangefinder. Me too. It's nice that when I click the button, it gives me a clear readout the first time I hit the button. Yeah. Um, I've had them where I'm ranging. And I'm like, oh, that just took me five clicks. Like, what happens if I'm panicking and I have a 170 moving in and I really need to know my distance? It's really nice to have it. Maybe really, not worry about that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Now in, you're not the of, in the heat of the moment, you need something fast and easy, one click, yep. accurate. Exactly. One and done. Um, we like Loophole. They support us, man. A top-notch company, top-notch products, top-notch people. Um, I've been to the Loophole facility. I've toured it. It is just as good as you think it would be um, if you know anything about the brand Loophole. Um, That's awesome. And they make some badass merch. Yeah. I think every sh- favorite shirt I have is a Loophole shirt. And their sunglasses? Uh. That sounds dumb to promote that. Yeah, but but I'm a believer. They're clean. I was never a believer of like legit sunglasses until I got like my first good pair. Like I bought a pair of Ray Bans. Um, they've been trashed and ran over oh, yeah. by a limo. Um, <laughs> whoops. But I will tell you, since I've had my loophole <laughs> ones, like I take care of them. Like I pull them out of the little sunglass thing in my truck, and they go right back there. Oh yeah. Like it's not a set, like a pair that I forget about, and then ends up getting trashed. But um, I love them. I really do. Um. Also, Gator Outdoors, uh, GatorOutdoors.com. They are a lifestyle brand outfitting the working class. Um, great merch. I think still they are kind of a retailer still. You can get um, Scent Crusher stuff there if you want. You can use code WCB10 there to save yourself some money and some Scent Crusher gear or whatever whatever gear you want there at Gator Outdoors. Yeah. Uh, good people. Wade, the owner, has been killing it in Iowa this year. He's, uh, like I said before, he's Mr. Public Land Boat Guy now. Um, so good for him. He's changed. Um, he's changed. <laughs> we don't even know you anymore, Wade. Um, GatorOutdoors.com. Check them out. Um, also, Elite Archery. We're all shooting the Cure, except for Austin. He's a trad man. Uh, Chaz, what are you shooting for an Elite? Ritual Elite 35. You like the 35? I love it. It's a great bow, I love huh? it. Yeah, it's been great. It hasn't let me down this year yet, so Dude, let's keep that going. That thing's a shooter. I had yep. that last year. I sold that bow to one of my best friends, and... What's the term first right to refusal? I said, if you go to sell that bow, you have to offer it to me first because I batted a hundred percent with that bow and I just loved it. The feel of it, the, the length, it just it was good. Yeah. It's a nice bow. It's what I'm shooting. I love my cure too, but that 35 is sweet, man. It, it, they're all good. They're all good. Um, big, bomb.com big time uh, from supplemental feed if you can do that in your state to food plot seed whether or not you consider that baiting um, peep the last unpopular opinion segment on the last episode um, we love big time cherry rush from buck brunch to clover select the foundation clover they got it, um, they got it all man they really do uh, the Iowa boys in here can run supplemental feed and you're a big fan of uh of your big time supplemental feed. Yeah. 
up until uh, 30 days before season, and then after season, I can put it back out and see what's alive, and it's actually very helpful. Good especially way to when, take inventory. Especially with yep. the snow and stuff. Yeah. It's, I wish we could do go, that. They go to it like crazy. Nice. Deer can sell it from a long ways away. I put it out last year. Big time brought some stuff down to the shoot, and I put it out, and it was unbelievable what I had on camera. <laughs> it's funny, man. Dude, it's crazy. Um, they swear by the cherry rush smell. It's like once your deer herd is used to that, it's like once you put it out, here they come. Yeah. Once they know where you're putting it out, it's like it's like cattle almost. Didn't you, you smell have some? That, you go. smell that stuff. You want to eat it. That shit smells <laughs> good. That cherry rush. I've tried try it. Actually. Yeah, it's not good. Did didn't you have something where you like you put it out and then? What was the story last year with your trail cam? You had to trail cam out. You had a picture of you putting it out, and then like five minutes later, there's deer on oh, it yeah, already. For sure. That's crazy. Dude, it's nuts. <laughs> I had the same thing happen. Uh, we put it out of my buddy and I on a farm together, and very, very small piece, but he threw some of the buck or big time out there, and he sent me a picture of these deer out in the CRP field over there. Ten minutes later, after he left, the deer in there eating the eating the big time. So <laughs> they're just like waiting. They're making Play-Doh snakes. <laughs> they're they're making Play-Doh snakes ringing that dinner sure. bell, man. It, I mean, essentially, they can smell it, so I'm, that's a big deal. Um, also, Old Barn Taxidermy. Um, I, I got to think my favorite company in the outdoors right now because they're just good at everything they do. Yeah, and there's confidence when you take your hard-earned trophy to a spot and you know it's going to end up exactly how you want mm-hmm. or not terrible it, it will exceed your expectations like it's that's the thing too i'm an outpost so people can bring deer to me and i'm like listen no matter what you do like people like you know i'm writing down like well this is your form choice or whatever and i'm like listen if if old barn doesn't think that will look good they will call you and be like hey we're gonna we should do this yeah like they're gonna give you a recommendation they're not gonna let you end up with something you're gonna be unhappy with uh which is cool and it's a spot where it's kind of intimidating to take a deer to a taxidermist, if you're unfamiliar with it, if you haven't done it a lot, all the choices yeah, you don't and all sound that. dumb and like... Yeah, no, they're all... They actually prefer to like walk you through it. Right, yeah. So it, it's pretty cool. Old Barn Taxidermy is the jam. Go there, tell them you are a working class bow hunter podcast listener, and if you bring a deer to mount, they enter you in for the drawing from WCB listeners to win a free mount next year. That's a hell of a deal. You can, you can win a free mount. Free and you can get your deer processed there. For your monster next year. How do you like them snack sticks, Austin? Uh, I'm going to try one someday. <laughs> Wait for me. <laughs> still waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Still well, I'll wait. tell you they're delicious. Seven podcasts later. Yeah, I'd like to try one of them. <laughs> be good. You had barbecue ones, huh? Honey barbecue. Oh, god damn. I that had, sounds delicious. I had jalapeno cheddar. I had the jalapeno cheddar, too, but, man, that's so spicy. Spicy. Why is it spicy? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> All right. We're all having a good time in the podcast. I think we're going to do... Do you have a veteran shout-out? You want to do it with uh, Landon on? Um, I can pull one up. Let's, let's let's get Landon on. He might have one, but if not, we can read it when he's on. All right. I'll, and then we'll I'll do the, get one ready. And we'll get an unpopular opinion one ready for when he's on the show. Thanks for joining us, and here's our guest. All right. We have our guest calling in from Ohio. Team working class again. Um, good to have you. Landon Thomas. What's up, dude? What's going on? How you guys doing? Doing good, man. Here in podcast land, it's pretty, real good. good. We know you're doing good, man. You've had a killer season. Yeah, thank you. I had best season I've had to date. No kidding. Well, we're going to get into that. We're going to hit a veteran shout-out real quick, and then we're going to get into the legendary story the of Landon Thomas. The legendary story. <laughs> All right. This vet shout-out was sent up by Eric Schimmel, and the veteran is Tyler Jensen. He was in the Marines, 
says Tyler has served four years in the Marine Corps and now keeps the lights on in Madison area as a lineman. He's a bushlight drinking motherfucker, college dropout with a bad case of buck fever. I like this guy. <laughs> in all seriousness, Tyler's a diehard hang and hunt public land bow hunter, an archery guru, and a dedicated to always bettering himself in and out of the woods. Couldn't be more proud of your brother. Thanks again for your service. Ooh, and then he hits a banger here. P.S. Your sister shoots bigger deer. Oh, Ooh. damn. Shade. <laughs> Tyler Jensen, thank you for your service, yeah, sir. Thank you for your service, thank Tyler. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. I like his uh, – <laughs> that's a good veteran shout-out. That just was kinda, good. Who, like who submitted that again? Eric Schimmel. Very cool. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Say his last name again. <laughs> Sound like you had mud in your mouth. Schimmel. Schimmel on my ding-dong. Schimmel. Schmimel. Schimmel. Thank you, Tyler, for your service, buddy. Um that was a good shout out. That yeah, was. was awesome. I like when someone like throws that. some shit talking. In there. <laughs> College dropout. <laughs> That's cool. What do you with say? The, bushlight drinking motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> with a bad, bad case of buck fever. A bad case of buck fever. <laughs> Did he actually write bushlight drinking motherfucker? He said MF, but I just threw it in there. <laughs> oh, all right. It just sounded better. <laughs> right. Hey, you made it. That was good, Doug. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for submitting the vet shout out. That's awesome, man. Thank you, Tyler, for your service, buddy. Appreciate you. Hopefully, you're a listener. But if not, you know. And do whatever you do. I'm imagining <laughs> lessons because that was some good shit talking. Hopefully, yeah, you that for sure. <laughs> Thank well, you, Landon. Before we get into your stories, because you're you, dude, you're a killer, man. You are a killer. Um, Ohio boys are on fire, and I think Ohio is the best state in the country to hunt right now. Um, I checked it out, and uh, the stats agree. The stats agree. It is. Um, yeah, two hundred on every corner. <laughs> He's like the wrong. <laughs> okay, so. Wayne, if it's okay with you, we're going to do an unpopular opinion segment, and we're going to let you go off first. So I'm going to read it, and then the floor is yours. How do you feel about that? Yeah, let's do it. The the best thing about having our guests do the unpopular opinion segment is our listeners get to judge you right off the bat. So they immediately decide either we like this guy or we hate him, and we're going to listen anyway. Yeah. So Yep, don't screw this up. Yeah, don't mess up. <laughs> Probably conform your opinion to what you think the people want. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was the Cody Freese, Freese, uh submitted this. Dear Working Class bow hunter. What do you guys think of getting tines fixed on a deer at the taxidermist? So I guess that would be the unpopular opinion. Getting tines fixed at the taxidermist. So I think if you shoot a deer, he's got a broken G2. Yeah. Are you getting the G2 put back on from like a trail cam photo or whatever? Landon, you have the floor. So I actually have done this once. I killed a buck in 2012. He was an eight-year-old buck. We had him on the farm from, you know, his whole life. And I seen him one time, and it was the night I killed him. And the day before, I had trail camera pictures of him perfectly fine. He came in with a busted G2. Uh, I did get that one fixed. Interesting. So I think, I think if you had pictures of him, you know what he looks like, and you can – kind of get it recreated to where it looks you know pretty legit i'm good with it but if you just kill a buck it's got a busted tine you just kind of make it up on your own and add a couple splits I, a kicker maybe yeah, a 17 a inch too they actually had a drop time too you can't see it but well i added a drop time to mine too but. <laughs> yeah but we're not talking about me yeah. <laughs> doug what do you think um I'm a, like Landon. I'm okay with it if you have all the homework and stuff behind it to like you know you can actually measure it out right. But if I mean if you're just winging it, 
saying no, a 17 inch G2 on that bad boy. I don't know. I don't like it. Shady. Chaz? I agree with what Landon and Doug have said. I, I actually tripped into a 150 a couple years ago and he had a broken time and I just, it, it was no questions asked. I never even thought about getting it fixed, but if you've done the homework, yeah, by all means, if you want to get it fixed, go ahead. It's, I feel like it's legit then. Right, right. Lord? Yeah, I, everybody's kind of agreeing, saying the same thing here, and Landon kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, if you've got multiple pictures of that deer, it's a deer that you've got history with and have known for years, you know, why not build him up and put him in his full glory up on the wall? Um, yeah. I, I know I know some guys that have built tines that without even knowing the deer, and to me, that's just, I don't know. It, to me, I want to see what I killed, so I want to see that on the wall, but the exception being long history good trail camera pictures if you can replicate what he was then i'm fine with that and i would do that if i if i have a big deer like a deer i don't think is going to make it till next year for whatever reason and he comes in and he's got a time broke off he might get cracked and he'll probably get recreated okay i get that i will say going into this when i read this initially i thought no way because the deer is what it is when you shoot it but hearing your guys is like kind of build up like say you so um, let's use my buck for, for example i my buck is a he's a six by six he broke up from i shot at him the week five days prior and then followed up and ended up killing him five days later and in that five day span he broke off like a five or six inch tine and it's busted off it never crossed my mind to fix it Ever and I won't. Probably. And you, you've got good pictures of him with the tine on. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. I have several, and it never crossed my mind. Now, what you guys are saying, it's kind of like ah, maybe I could, mm-hmm. but it's not like a twelve-inch G two. Right. This is like yeah. and a I, shorter point. And I would score the deer before I build onto it, and that would be the score that that deer was. It wouldn't be like, well, I shot him, and you know, yeah, I put eight inches on him, and this is what he scored. It's fun well, to think about those other eight inches. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But no, when you, I'm, in my opinion, if you shoot a deer, he's got a broken tie, and he scores what he scores, and then you can build him after you score him. That's yeah. the way I look at that. Right, I agree. I would say it had to be with a reasonable time. Like if you got a trail cam picture of a buck in September. And his G two was there, but you killed him December first, and his G two was gone. Then I'm a little more weird about that's this. Kinda, no, that's kind of interesting. I agree. I, well, I, if a buck's got a broken tine and you see it on camera, typically you wouldn't go in after him. You know, at least you know I wouldn't. Well, depending on the buck. Yep. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. It's all situational, right? I would say right. I never thought about it, and I always said I would never do it. But you guys made me think. In some situations, there is. Here's the thing. That's what you do. Cool. Landon, Landon kind of made a weird point, though. Like, if you have him in full rack, but then the next stroke can picture he broke off a G2, you already know it's broken. Are you still going to shoot him? Yeah. Might shoot him Maybe. and not even realize it. Yep. Yeah. Right. A lot of things can play into it. Here's the thing. I think hit the gavel on the desk here. I think do you, but don't make it something that's not. There you go. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Oh, that's like my big one. I mean, those brow tines. Who knows what they would have been? They, yeah, they're all broken up. But you never know because I didn't have any pictures. So, yep. yeah. ladies, ladies, hey, only <laughs> God can sculpt that anymore. <laughs> right, Doug? <laughs> only God decides, boy. <laughs> well, cool. That's a that was a fun one. 
Thanks, Cody, for submitting that. I like that's a that's a good one. That's yeah. a friendly one. We're not pissing anybody well, off. It's actually interesting. That's a real conversation. It's rare that a podcast I think takes on a segment voluntarily, knowing we're going to lose listeners every time we put I, out a strong I opinion. Think we're, you think we're losing listeners off that? That's people why are, it's people are un- sensitive, dude. Unpopular opinion. It's an opinion. An opinion. You don't got to hate us. A monkey. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't play our intro <laughs> for it. Um, Landon, what's up, man? Let's talk about your season. Yeah. It was... First of all, who are you? <laughs> we just got some dude uh, on the phone from Ohio. Yeah, just some dude. Uh, I'm Landon Thomas. Uh, I'm from a little town in northeast Ohio. Growing up hunting. Uh Pretty much from the time I could walk, I was running around the woods with my old man and uh, killed my first buck when I was six. And Damn. I'm 22 now, and I've killed a buck every year since. Dude, you're just a pup. Damn. I thought you were – damn, you're a youngster, man, and you're already doing what you're doing. That's impressive, man. Yeah, I'm just a young pup. That's insane. So you killed your first buck when you were six years old. Yeah, with a single-shot 410. No shit. That's cool. <laughs> Monday. And you've killed a buck every year since. Yeah, now my first, up until, I think my first buck, I was six, so I'd have been 03, 04, up until like 2009, I was, you know, two-year-old eight points, You pretty much whatever buck walked in front of me, I was shooting, you know, my first couple of years. Still cool, man. I mean, that's that's what those years yeah. are for, you know. Sub 10 years old. I mean, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. Hey, listen, yeah. nobody's hating. You don't got to say two-year-old on that. But then I think it was, yeah, 2009, and I, you know, pretty much owe it to my dad because, hell, still I was only, I wasn't, I don't know, I can't do the math, but I was still young. But my dad kind of switched me over to, I wasn't killing big bucks for most people's standards but four five six year old you know 120 130 inch eight pointers your management bucks i guess if you want to call it that uh is what i started targeting texas and then just kind of slowly worked my way up from you know 120 130s and started killing some 140s and moved into you know some 150s and that's kind of 150 160 ranges where I'm at now, I mean, I'll target bigger if I have bigger, but yeah. that's kind of the rules I'm in. Dude, that's awesome, man. Starting at six years old, working your way up. That's cool, man. I mean, that's like the – that's kind of what you would hope for, right? Like build yeah. up, get your confidence, get your mindset to the next caliber of deer, and then focus on that and then so on as you mature as a hunter. But Right, and that's, that's why I love that you guys always talk about the climbing the ladder. I mean, that's been what it has been for me is – Literally started at a, I'm looking at a picture of my first buck, maybe at 88 inch eight point, and just slowly kind of worked my way up. And I think that's helped me. I think if I would have shot some sort of giant as a, you know, six, seven, eight year old kid, I don't think I'd have the drive that I do now. I think I would have, not understanding what deer hunting was at that age, I think I would have just got this. I don't know how to explain it. I guess this image that you just go out and kill big bucks. Yeah, and like it comes you know, easy. You almost have to work your way up to that, to an extent. I mean, everybody's different, but yeah. No, I mean, well, when you have to work for it, you earn it. It means a little more to you. So that's 
I could see where right. you're coming from. You on appreciate that. it differently. Yeah. For and sure. I owe that, all of that to, to my dad. I mean, I remember being 10, 12 years old, you know, sitting in the stand with my dad and having 140, 150-inch, you know, three- and four-year-olds walk by and, you know, you ain't shooting. Like, you ain't at that level yet. No kidding. Yeah. And, uh, so you, well, is your both dad that level? And we try to manage too, you know, so some of them younger, younger deer of that caliber, we were passing up, but yeah, you know, I pretty much owe it all to my dad. To, so I'm assuming you know, up to this, to, to this day, he's still a pretty hardcore bow hunter and everything like that. Or is he, is he he's still actually, when I got to be probably 16, 17 years old and, you know, was able to drive to the farm and kind of, start to take care of it you know with the help of a lot of other people but uh on my own a little bit he's kind of gotten out of it he's gotten into fishing real heavy he'll still hunt every once in a while but it's got to be a pretty damn big buck for him to get excited anymore i mean he's killed a couple bucks over 170 several in the 60 50 range you know it takes a pretty big one for him to get out in the woods yeah, that's interesting, man. I always wonder about that, like, what I'll be like when my yeah. kids are older. Like, if I'll still have I, – I think I'll still be hungry, but I wonder what will change. I, I think as my kids get older, I might transition. You know, of course, I'm going to hunt because they're not going to hunt like I'm going to hunt. But um, I just wonder, like, if my mindset will change, not thinking about it. But then I look – like, Austin, you're not a lot older than me, but you're a little older. But it's – uh, I mean, I'm 30. And I don't think you give a shit about saying your age on the podcast. 37. So, I mean, you're not much older than us at all. Chaz, you're 30. Yes, sir. And Doug, you're what, 20? 29. So it's like I still feel hungry as shit to kill deer, you know? Absolutely. I um, I enjoy it more now than I did when I shot my first one. Yeah. I haven't lost any spark or love for the game. And I don't see you ever losing that. I never ever. will. If I did, that defines who I am as a person. Like, I, I wouldn't be the same person if I backed yeah. off. But even so, um, and Landon, I want to. I want your opinion on this too. You being 22, right? Right, yeah. So, when Ross is in here and his giant 200-inch buck, his third 200-inch buck is sitting on the studio table, I kind of went into something where and I don't know, I was kind of just speaking from how I felt in the moment that I thought a buck like that would change. It wouldn't change my passion for hunting, but it would change my mindset on how I hunted bucks or maybe like the urgency in my brain mentally. And I felt like you and Ross, um, I'm pointing at Lord Chandler in here, you didn't get what I was saying. Maybe you did, but I, I felt like may- you guys maybe did. You'd, maybe you'd back off the accelerator pedal a little bit if you killed a deer like that and just be more content to just kind of sit back and wait on another yeah. large caliber animal. Not necessarily a 200, but you'd be content to sit back and watch some 150s and 160s right. go by when you get a deer like that. Under yeah, your I guess that's what I meant. Yep. And I, I, I was trying to read you guys being in the position of guys who have deer in the high 90s and the 200 inch. Did... I mean, did you get what I was saying? Not at the time, but I I understand it a little bit more now. Yeah, and talking about probably it. my fault not being able to like explain it clearly. Yeah, but we were all kind of emotional and just kind of caught up in the moment and staring at antlers like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does weird things to us, man. <laughs> it does. Man. Um, Landon, do you feel that way? I mean, would would anything change for you being twenty two years old, killing a buck every year since you were six until now, seeing kind of wh- where your dad is at with hunting? Would a would a two hundred inch deer? change anything for you in this moment in time where i'm at now i'd love to say it wouldn't but i mean it's really hard to even fathom having 
you know, three 200 inchers. I'd, I'd love to say that it wouldn't change anything, but it, I mean, it probably would. It, your mindset would be different. That's for sure. I would think. Yeah. I mean, I would still be passionate about the sport, but I'd probably be more so a little more picky, obviously. And, you know, get other people, get your other buddies on deer, you know, younger guys that haven't killed, you know, some higher caliber deer, try to get them into those experiences, yeah. I guess, is what I f- feel like what I would do. For yeah. sure. For me, I, I don't know, because, I mean, it never happened to me, but I would still think when I see 160 inch in the wild coming in, I would. I well, 100, think, 160 inch deer is it? Yeah. It, I still think it'd be like. In most cases, it's still exceptional. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a stud for anybody. It's a giant, yeah. And, but I think, you know, your 140s would be way different looked at, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. There's guys that have killed 200 a year that are still killing 130s. Oh, yeah. It probably yeah. depends on your personality a little bit too. Exactly. You know, if you're yeah. just you know, if you're just going out there and you love to kill deer and you know, you just happen to have killed a, a bunch of giant deer, those one forties are probably gonna still look the same. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, so man, you being twenty two years old, you killed a mule deer this year. Before this year, was a different deer species even on your radar, or have you done that before in the past, or was this the first year you made the jump for that? Um, I've killed, in 2018, I killed an antelope. Uh, That was a rifle kill in Colorado. And, yeah, the different species thing has always kind of been something I've wanted to do. My dad's killed three or four mule deer couple antelope moose caribou black bear i mean he's done a lot of different stuff so that's kind of always been something that i wanted to do was you know the since i was a little kid was different species out of state and stuff and up until the last couple years didn't really care if it was bow rifle whatever it was but the last two three years i've really kind of gone strictly to bow hunting not that i think there's anything wrong with gun hunting but kill these species as i can with a bow and uh you know this year just happened to be mule deer is what i decided on and uh but yeah ever since i was a little kid growing up you know my dad had mule deer on the wall moose on the wall so that's something i've always wanted to try to do so it wasn't like completely foreign to you so what i'm doing is i'm thinking back to when so my dad grew up hunting but he didn't grow up like big game hunting um, so I didn't grow up with like big white tails in the house yeah. when I was real young. My, my dad was killing right. big deer before me cause he was older and like, you know, could think a little differently when it came to hunting them and uh, had different abilities and whatever. But, um, I always wanted to do a different type of hunt, like a mule deer hunt or some other species. Cause once you get so into hunting, you're like, man, like I can't imagine well, so, yeah. the other avenues that you can just dip and dive into that right. take you down the crazy rabbit holes. But I, I think back when I was 21, I'm a way different maturity. I'm still immature as fuck, I think. Like, I'm a big child. Um, so am I. I am and I'm not. But, like, when I was 21 till 30, I'm that's not that big of a span. And I'm a way different person than I was when I was 21. 100%. I was – Landon seems like he's, like, a 30-some-year-old, like, super Agreed. chill. Seems very mature for being in his early 20s. He's a Chandler. I, I didn't realize that you were that young. 
Uh, I mean, I'm mature, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure we'd pick up on it immediately once you started drinking with you. But hey, we're not here to. I'm just, I'm kidding, obviously. But <laughs> we don't um, judge. You. But I just know how I was. You it know? just makes me interested to see where you're going to be when you turn thirty. Like by the time you're, you know, Ross's age, what are you going to have under your belt? No kidding. Yep, it's a good point, man. And so you you went out, you did this mule deer hunt, you take your bow with you at twenty two. And, and, and only reason why I'm kind of I hate to like beat your age in like that, but I I think it's inspiring to some of our younger Very listeners. Yep. And then I'm thinking back when I was 21, 20, 21, 22, they I wanted that. to do all this stuff, but exactly. I didn't have the ability, the money, or the the thought process to do it. Honestly, um, and maybe I did, I just didn't have a way to channel it at the yeah. time. When I was um, 21, I wish I would have took hunting a little more serious, but. College is pretty fun also. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about going out of state to hunt mule deer with a bow. So I was actually supposed to go to Wyoming this year. And uh, it's actually the same private ranch that my dad hunted on back in the day. Me and him were supposed to go on, <clears throat> go out there this year. And uh, because of COVID and stuff, the rancher out there decided he wasn't going to let anybody go. And by that time that we found out, we had pretty much missed all the other draws. So I started looking into some over-the-counter type stuff, and the two states I kind of landed on were South Dakota and Idaho. And, you know, I don't know enough about mule deer hunting and hunting western in general to be confident in going out there in a week and doing it public land. So I started you know, looking into outfitters and emailing some people and making some phone calls and stuff. And I landed with a guy out in South Dakota. Uh, so I headed out there. I actually went out there by myself. And uh, really cool place. Awesome terrain. We were right on the actual the property we hunted was 10 miles probably from Montana. And the property border was North Dakota. So I was way up in that northwest corner of South Dakota. And, uh, I mean, that type hunting, I mean, Kurt, you guys have been out there, is just, it's hard to explain for a Midwest guy until you get out there. Just because it's so different and totally different style. It's, I mean, it's awesome. (laughs) It's like the place, if you like to bow hunt everything, (laughs) South Dakota's your spot. Yeah, there's just wildlife. And you can see for miles. So, I mean, you get up on a high spot, I mean, antelope, mule deer, coyotes, I mean, as far as you can see. Yes. But, uh, South Dakota, man, it's just, uh, you like look around and you're like, hunt all this shit. Why the hell? And it's still kind of the Midwest. It's not, but it is. Sort of, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, I, meeting all the Buckstrom boys, I mean, you guys are all just like me, just not as cool. Um, and it's like close, but no cigar. Like, yeah, like in the ballpark, but not you know. Um, and I'm just like, man, I missed like there's some sort of calling I I missed, but you know things would just be different. But yeah, South Dakota's the jam. Like it's close enough, we can get there in a 12, 13 hour drive, maybe a little longer, and it's a target rich environment. <laughs> right. So I do know what you're talking about. Continue. I apologize. But- Went on a rant. Had to show up the Buckstrom boys, you know? No, so I got out there, and uh, 
first day, I actually flew out there and got a rental car. And it was about three hours. I flew into Rapid City, and I had about a three-hour drive. So I got into camp right around. It was getting dark as I was. You know, there's no salt service out there. I'm just driving these random gravel roads, seeing all sorts of wildlife, whitetails, muleys, antelope, cool as hell, filming some stuff on my way in. Got into camp that night and uh, ate dinner, and we kind of discussed what the game plan was for the next morning and stuff. Went out first morning, and we got up on this high spot. And kind of the way we were hunting out there, there was these big alfalfa fields where all the deer would go out to in the evenings. And then they'd work their way back up into, you know, what I would call the badlands. More of the, you know, the ravines, the rock crevices, that sort of deal, canyons to bed up for the day. So we got up and... uh got up on this high spot and glassed down into this alfalfa field and there was a group of i don't know i wasn't going to be too overly picky so there's probably three or four bucks out there that i would shoot and when i was out there is when we got that huge cold snap i can't remember the dates exactly it was early september but we had that huge cold snap and it was like 30 degrees and spitting snow out there so those deer had kind of changed what they were doing the the weeks prior they'd go out there all day all night and feed and whatnot then as the sun would rise they'd get up into these canyons to get out of the sun up against these rock faces Mm -hmm. well hell it was 30 degrees like those deer had no interest or no desire i should say to get off those fields because it wasn't hot they didn't need to get out of the sun so they're in the middle of this wide open alfalfa field we're just watching them and there's you know, at that point, there's not really much we can do with them. And we crept up. We were probably 250 yards from them, just using sage and stuff to get up to that point. And there was one little group of bucks and one really nice buck that I would have shot. And they started going down this fence line. And there was a dried up creek bed, you know, deep creek bed, 10, 15 foot deep. It ran right to this fence, and these bucks were walking right down it. So I was like, why the hell don't we just get down in this creek bed, and we can run right to them and get out in front of them. So that's what we did. and got up to the fence, and I kind of poked my head over, and this buck was coming right down at us. And he got to 44 yards, I think is what I ranged him at, 42, 44. Stopped perfectly broadside and looked the other direction <laughs> and i'm like you are so dead or in rock bigger terms you are so fucked <laughs> yeah i'm like you're done like it's over first morning like this is easy it's you know just mule deer hunting right <laughs> drew my bow back settled in felt so confident i shoot and this is just a three strand barbed wire fence that's five yards in front of me didn't even think about you know hitting the fence and i shoot and it was like slow motion i see my arrow going i hear a ping and i watch my arrow go pretty much straight down into the ground and he takes off running i'm like you've got to be kidding me and it was like deflating because you know from everything i've heard and everything i've watched to be able to 
take your time and settle. I had all the time in the world. That deer had no idea I was there. 40 yards. I mean, to do that out west, it's like there's no way I'm going to get another perfect opportunity like that. Yeah. And uh, watched him run off, you know, kind of deflated. But oh, yeah, first morning, <laughs> still was fun to be able to make a stock like that. So we regrouped uh, throughout the next couple of days, made a ton of stalks. I passed a couple younger bucks, passed one buck that was pretty nice, but he was hardhorn, and about 85% of them were still velvet at the time. So I held off just because I wanted to, you know, in a hall, you never get a chance to kill a velvet buck. Yeah, it's a bonus, big yeah. time. Big yeah. Time. <laughs> so a bunch of stalks, most of them failed past a couple bucks and i don't remember what day of the hunt it was but i want to say it was third or fourth day right before lunch we we seen this buck down in this canyon bedded in a really nice spot and real big buck and uh we were getting ready to kind of make a game plan on how to we were over a mile away way up down into this canyon and uh getting ready to make a game plan on him and three whitetails came up the canyon and i didn't know this but i guess the and this is just what i've heard from being out there the whitetails and the muleys don't really get along the greatest out there uh and these whitetails come up the canyon and jump this buck out of his bed and he didn't take off running but he scooted out of there pretty quick so we went back ate lunch came back and we're trying to refind him and uh, it's crazy how them bucks disappear in those canyons. I mean, there's so many different little crevices and rock faces and stuff. I mean, you got to look into a canyon four or five different ways to see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we could not find this buck. And we finally went out this top, and we were just kind of slowly creeping over the edge of the canyon, looking on the other bank, and, uh, you know, so that anything that was on that opposite bank wouldn't spook, we would, you know, look at them, see where they were looking, and then continue down further into the canyon. We just got over the edge, and we're starting to drop in. And I just happened to look to my left, and at like 70 yards, I see tine tips, and it was him, bedded. I was Ooh. like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I hit the ground, and I was able to crawl up, maybe five yards and i kind of poked my head over to see how he was oriented and he was bedded kind of facing my direction so i had two options i could either fall down this rock chute and get down below him which would have put me probably 40 yards from him so it would have been a you know decent shot but he was facing my direction so getting drawn and getting a shot off was going to be near impossible so I clawed back up to the top of the canyon and crawled down and came around from a different angle and came over this little rock face. And he was, at that point, he was quartered away from me, but kind of not facing me. Not His head wasn't facing me, but kind of quartered towards me. Mm-hmm. And it was 55 yards, which I practice out to 60, 60 at home, but... I mean, I've never shot over 40 at a whitetail back right. home, but I was confident. 
I was like, I can make that shot. So I ranged him 55 yards, got an arrow knocked. <clears throat> and the way it the way it was, as soon as I came up over the hill, he was going to skyline me. And I knew I wasn't going to have much time to shoot. So I ball to my knees using the rock face to block me, drew my bow from my knees, and just slowly stood up over the hill, settled the pin, and as soon as I came over the hill, he looked right at me. So I knew, I kind of panicked, more or less. Mm-hmm. And uh, rushed my shot a little bit. He was quartered away, thank God. I hit him, I'm going to say six inches back from where I was aiming. And when I hit him, he was right up against a rock bank. So my arrow came through and it bounced almost all the way back out. And I seen my arrow hit at, uh, probably three, two, three inches in front of the back leg. And it looked like zero penetration. I'm like, oh, what really? the? Like, I had no idea what just happened. I'm like, a shot like that, your arrow should zip clean through him. Right, right, yeah. And he gets up and takes off running, makes it about 150 yards. And I threw the binos on him, and I could see my exit hole where it poked through. And it was, I'm going to say back of the lungs, but realistically, you know, once I got up on him, it was liver. Right, right. And he was just hunched up, standing there. And, you know, that's a feeling you, you don't like to see your buck standing there at 250, 300 yards or whatever it was, all hunched up. And there was just no way where he was at for me to get up and put another arrow in him. So I was just watching him in a bed down there. And after about 10 minutes, I had his second wind and started walking perfectly normal down the canyon. Ah, oof. Makes you feel weird. So I was able to get back up on top. And I took off running down the top of this, you know, the flat top. And got out in front of him. There's a little rock crevice that ran down. And I got to the bottom. And at the very bottom of this canyon where he was at was pretty narrow. So if he continued on his path and I was able to stay hidden, he was going to walk past it 20 yards. I sat there for a couple minutes. And he hadn't moved through. So I poked my head out. And he's going up the other side of this steep-ass canyon. And now he's at a jog just going straight up this top and i'm like this is not good if he's going up that much terrain you know this ain't good Mm -hmm. so i tried running out and getting ahead of him and i mean i'm in okay shape but not great so halfway up this other side i mean i'm like dying (laughs) like i need water i'm stripping layers off like i'm dead and I get to the top and I watch him jump a fence at like a hundred yards and disappear back down into the canyon. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And I wish hindsight being 2020, I would have just let him go, let him bed down and, and die. But my adrenaline was pumping and I wasn't thinking straight. And I started after him and, uh, I got to where he jumped the fence and followed him down into this canyon and I had an arrow knocked and I'm walking right along the edge of this canyon and I spook up this white tail doe and 70 yards ahead he stands up. Ah, I'm like, damn it. Fuck. So I dropped down into the sage and he's looking back towards, you know, where this doe spooked and he didn't see me, but he 
starts walking again, and he walks another 300 yards or so, and he gets to this. The canyon kind of petered out at that point, but there was another little rock ledge that he was standing about 15 yards from, facing the other direction. So I crawled up to where I couldn't see him anymore, and at this point I'm like, I should be able to walk right to the edge of that rock face, draw my bow, step over the hill, and put another arrow in him, and he's done. I didn't think he was going to move because you could tell he was hurt. Yeah. And again, I wish I would have just let him go. But I'm trying to, you know, nobody likes to see their animal. They just You're trying to be efficient. Your yeah. I, I right. get it, man. Like, there there might be some people thinking that, but, you know, you do a shot and you see the deer move like that. You're like, man, I'm here. I got I got limited time. I'm, I got to get in there after him. So no, you don't have to keep justifying. I, I'm with you. I get that, man. Um, and hindsight is always twenty twenty. It's easy to say in hunting, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. It's easy Very to do easy. that in what we do. So I ended up getting to where I couldn't see him anymore, and I stood up, knocked an arrow, and at this point I'm just walking, you know, because I'm winded. So I'm trying to kind of catch my breath but still get up to him. And I get almost to the edge. I draw my bow. I take a deep breath. Like, I'm going to step over this, you know, and I'm going to end it. And I step over, and he's not there. Fuck. I'm like, shit. And I look to my left, and he's at 40 yards. He had walked 40 yards, and he's staring at me. And by the time I kind of swung over to him, he takes off. And I'm, at this point, I don't even know what to think. There's so many, like, I'm a mess. Like I've chased this thing at this point. I'm a mile and a half probably from where I originally shot him. And uh, he runs down, there's this big river and he runs down into this river and I never seen him come out the other side. So I figured he was either bedded down there or standing down there. So again, instead of just letting him lay, I go the 200 yards and I get to the edge of the river, draw my bow and I get over and he's standing right in the middle of the river he turns around and looks at me, and I didn't have time to range him. I guessed him for 50 yards. I put my 50 on him. I squeeze, and I shoot like a foot underneath him. He takes off running. And I'm like, at that point, I sat on the riverbank, and I watched him as far as I could watch him. He disappeared over this little – there was a slight raise in the terrain, and then it dropped and then came back up. He went over that. And I never seen him come out the other side. I'm like, I'm, I'm not chasing him anymore. I'm down to one arrow in my quiver now. And I ended up ranging where he was at. It was 70. So my, my guessing was pretty far off. Oh man, what? <laughs> but uh, what a mess. Yeah, what a roller coaster. <laughs> so at that point, I get to where I'm at, and I look all the way back where we started, and I could see the the guide I was with, with his spotting scope watching watching the buck so i knew at that point you know he had eyes on him there was no point in me sitting where i was at give him time and uh by the time i made it all the way back to, crawled back up out of that canyon got to the guide he said look through the scope your buck's dead and it was i mean i looked through the spotting scope and he had him right in the center there he was laying dead <laughs> yeah. I was like, heck yes. Pushing, pushing him like that might have made him expire a little faster too. It could have. I mean, like I said, you know, like a 
I think them mule deer are just tougher than whitetails too. I always hear the opposite. Like that on a whitetail, I mean, I've hit deer back like that, and they went, they run a hundred yards, they bed down, you give them time, they're dead. Yep. And this, this deer just had a will to live. It, it might just been like the adrenaline dump of you, like in there after him. He just went a little further, you know, like yep. maybe. Like, oh, wait, I definitely you're... pushed him further than I should have, and you know, looking back, I wish I wouldn't have, but. Yeah, I wasn't thinking clearly. I was in the moment. Let's get another arrow in this deer and you know get him killed. I get it, man. That's the efficient thing to do. Yeah, that's I a, think that's what we all would have done. Probably. Yeah, especially in that situation. Yeah, when, when you can actually time and yep, when you can actually see him and put a move on him, that's that's probably it's the a best, lot easier. That's the best option. Yep, mm-hmm. with white tail, you know, in the timber, dude. I had a, you know, I shot those two does uh, my first day hunting in uh, Illinois last fall mm-hmm. i hit one a little far back and like i basically i tried to stop her and she wouldn't stop so i tried to shoot her like not a run or by any means but just a slow walk and my arrow pulled a little further back than i'd like it was guts i hopped down and ran after her and shot her damn and it worked out straight up savage like i was like i'm not i can't it was one of those where i was like fuck that is i felt really guilty about it that had happened yeah and i got down as fast as i could and i ran after and shot her and i got i mean i would probably not have done that with a buck but i I ran 10 yards up on her and put another arrow in her well shit like i think i just made my moves so fast yeah that it just worked out for me yeah it worked out honestly so i get it man i get that feeling i get that urge you feel terrible that's number one you feel terrible right because that's not what you're trying to trying to do i mean you practice as much as you can to you owe it to the animal to put them out as as quickly as you can mm-hmm. yeah and uh you know unfortunately that's just not how it worked out but no got him in the spotting scope seeing he was dead and went up to him and i mean it was awesome i mean full velvet i never did put a tape on him but i'm guessing 160s 170s Clay Thurman, the mule deer guide or God, uh, another WCB guy, gave me a guess at 166, and I'm like, shit, good enough. <laughs> yeah, cool, that's what he is. I'll take it. Call it. Nice. Yeah, yep, that's what he is. No need to put a tape on him. That's awesome, man. Congrats. That's a, that's a stud, buddy. Yeah, thank that you. It was more than more than I could have asked for, especially for my first one. You're but, no kidding, man. Way to get after it, though. Goddamn, what a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah at the end of that by the time i hiked my happy ass all the way back to where he was glassing from i'm like i'm taking all my clothes off and i'm chugging three bottles of water <laughs> and don't talk to me for five minutes yeah let me, let me chill out because <laughs> i'm dying he's That's like awesome. and he's like hey you got to go back there he's dead <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you got to turn around and walk back and get him yeah he should have messed with you and been like dude i think you'd get another shot if you slip in there <laughs> well, that, I tried because I had the guy's number. You know, when I stopped up on that creek bank, I tried getting a hold of him. But fuck, I didn't have no service. So I'm sitting there watching this dude, and I'm trying to give him hand signals. Like, what should I do? And he can't see me. He's looking at my buck. I go, oh, I guess I'm walking all the way back. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. You got him, dude. Congrats. That's, yeah, that's awesome. That is yeah, awesome. thank you. So that's the start to your season. That's a pretty good way yeah, to start. Yeah, that's just the appetizer. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was 
I think it was September 9th when I ended up killing him. So I got home. Ohio season starts. We always open up the last Saturday of September. And uh, this year it happened to be, a, I want to say it was the 26th. So I got back home and uh, checked a couple trail cameras. And uh, I had a buck. Actually, I don't know if you guys remember when we did that video podcast that I had with me. Uh, I, I got on that buck this year and uh, had two years of history with him up to that point, up to this year. And uh, I got a 180-acre lease that I had him on. But uh, he never showed up till the end of October. And uh, he basically lived there from the end of October till the beginning of January. He'd leave, uh, drop his sheds, and I wouldn't see him again, you know, till the next year. So two years ago, I there's a there was a bean field about a mile down the road from this lease that I was able to watch him in all summer. So I kind of started to figure out where he lived for his summer range. Then last year when I found a shed, I got permission from some of the neighbors to shed hunt, and I found a shed in that same area. So I started trying this year, this summer, to get permission to get in there closer to where he summered and spent his early fall, and uh, could not get permission anywhere. Finally got 10 acres, 10 to 15 acres of permission about a half a mile from where I thought I needed to be. But I thought maybe I'm close enough that I can get lucky. So I started setting up some, a mineral site over there in June. And late July, early August, I get a picture of him. And he kind of he kind of got my hopes up all summer long. I was from that point until middle of September, I was getting them not super consistent, but Four days a week, I was getting pictures of him, and pretty damn you know, good. One to two days a week, I'd get him in daylight. Uh, so I was feeling pretty confident when I got home from South Dakota that, you know, I got a pretty good chance to kill this buck early season. And I think it was around the middle part of September, right around the time I got home, he he didn't completely disappear, but he went from you know, four days a week on camera down to once every 10 days, I'd get a picture of him. So I was hunting him early season. Uh, the only time I would get him in daylight was well, directly west winds and the, anything out of the south, I'd get him in daylight. So I had a stand set up that I'd be able to hunt him on those winds and I wasn't hunting as much as I typically do early season. Typically, when I'm on a buck early season, I'm hunting four or five days a week just going nuts because that's historically when I've killed most of my bucks is those first couple weeks of October. But realistically, I wasn't even really in the game. I mean, I was hunting him, but I'd get him once every 10 days or so. There was a couple times I'd get him right at last light. And going the next night, hoping that he'd show up and never seen him, really wasn't seeing a lot of deer in general. Uh, 
and hunting 10, 15 acres like that, there's only so many moves that I could make. Uh, but I was keeping an eye out on my lease, kind of scouting around that. Basically, what my protocol was, if you want to call it that, I worked third shift. So I'd get off Friday morning at 6. I'd jump down to the farm, check a couple of trail cameras, and scout some areas out, kind of get up to date, hunt the weekend, and then restart and uh towards the end of october i kind of started not panicking but putting some time in to try to get on you know some new pieces different areas Mm -hmm. Uh, i had some permission on some places around my house that i was putting some cameras up at and uh was trying to gain access to a couple areas just to try to be in the game with something because Right, it doesn't hurt you know, to have another spot or a back I mean, spot or whatever. I mean, I was hunting this buck, but realistically, my confidence was pretty low. I mean, I'm, I'm getting them once every 10 days, normally in the middle of the night. So, I, you know, the chances of me seeing them were, were pretty slim. Yeah, so I was definitely trying right. to, It was killing me because normally that's – I'm normally always on something early season, and that's when I've had most of my success. So pretty much the whole entire month of October, not having a realistic buck to hunt was messing with me a little bit. But uh, there was another buck that I watched. I've been watching him for a couple of years, and I watched him all summer. It was the buck I ended up killing. But I watched him all summer on the neighbors about three-quarters of a mile from the property that I can hunt. Uh, I was able to film him a couple times and glass him a couple different times stud buck i mean definitely knew he was going to be right up there pushing my best buck and uh historically this buck over the years towards the end of october beginning of november he would move towards the farm i could hunt i have two different properties that i can hunt in that area and uh, i'd get pictures of him on both uh, towards the end of October through the month of November, then he would shift back to his summer range. So I was able to pick up permission on a 70 acre piece between these two pieces that I could hunt that was right dead nuts middle of where he would move to. So I felt pretty confident that if towards the end of October, if I didn't have my tag punch, that if I slipped into this farm, that I might have a chance at this buck that I watched all summer. So you just smooth-talked your way into getting permission there. We've known the guys for – because it actually borders our my dad's main piece of property that my dad and his buddy own. And uh, they used to let some guys from Pennsylvania come in and hunt, and those guys don't hunt no more. So we ended up this year we're able to just – get permission on this property so we've i've shed hunted it for years i kind of know the terrain but i've never actually been able to hunt it uh right score man i was just curious i didn't know if you had to like sweet talk someone's daughter you know no no just checking (laughs) saying i'm uh, not judging you man listen it's a good hey you gotta do what you gotta do you get good hunting permission that's right not a lot i wouldn't do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) 
like what Clint said a couple of years ago on that podcast. Oh fuck! If you got to sleep with your sister to kill a one eighty, where's my sister? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember that, but yeah, he probably said that. That's, that's I, for sure. I can believe that. I was, I was like, yeah, yeah. You remember when you said that on this podcast? I'm like, sure don't. <laughs> I, don't I, I said that. I don't remember the other podcast we did tonight. <laughs> That's why we call him the feral cat. Yeah. Clint yeah. would. Yeah, that, you're right. I do remember Clint saying that. That is something he would say, yes. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Or as Doug oh, would say, so, it is what it is. It is what it is, I guess. What it is. That one's a rough one. Though. It's even worse when you say, it is what that is. I guess. I, I guess. <laughs> oh, you have to question your own it <laughs> is, is, is shit. <laughs> shit, I guess. I got to throw it is what it is on top of it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we hear you. I mean, I appreciate you lying for the podcast. We don't judge you, but we all know the real story. Yeah. yeah you guys get it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We're with you. So you get, you get permission on what we'll just call the middle ground. Yeah, the middle ground. So I went in there, I got off work, uh, Friday the 23rd of October, got off at six, I jet down to the farm, uh, check a couple cameras, that other buck I was hunting wasn't on any of them. And, uh, so I was like, screw it. I'm going to go to this farm. It's getting to be that late October time. You know, any minute he could start to show up. I had a little new farm I picked permission up on and uh, kind of speed scout it. I throw two cameras up, uh, one on the east side of the farm, one on the west. And I had a camera and a really good bottleneck on the property I had previously hunted where I actually had pictures of this buck. May 31st, I had had him on a mineral and then never seen him again on my farm you know i'd watched them all summer on the neighbors but i went and checked that camera in a real nice bottleneck just to see you know maybe he'd moved in this week had no pictures of him so i speed scouted threw two cameras up uh came back down the next weekend and uh same thing friday the 30th got off work at six drove down and went in and checked those cameras midday and I had one dark time picture on the 28th of this buck moving into this area. So I'm like, all right, you know, he's starting to move in. He's in the area that, you know, within that week there was new scrapes that have popped up a couple new rubs. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, start to hunt this buck, start to shift my game plan towards this deer. So that Friday, we had a northwest wind, and I couldn't get in and hunt that area. I just felt like I was risking it. Like A northwest wind pretty much blew right to the thicket that I thought, if that buck was in there, that's where he was going to be. So I stayed out of there that night, went and hunted that other buck. Real quick, I think that right there, everything you just said, I think that's one quality that separates that's overlooked or might not get thought about. That's one quality that a lot of big buck killers have that people overlook is like the urge to like of not just go. It, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah right. it takes a lot of patience to stay out of an area when you got a good buck, and for somebody your age to have that uh, that patience that's 
obviously that's an an attribute that that you have and probably why you're so successful being able to make calls like that yeah so i'll say like when i started doing that a lot changed for me holding out on certain spots yeah having the patience to just time your success not just like try and get lucky on it Mm -hmm. yeah it'll it'll be fine yeah i'm just gonna go in so many people it'll be fine yeah, will though. There's there's times of the year to get aggressive, and then there's times to not get aggressive. And sounds like yeah. you made the right call on that one. So <laughs> there it is. Sorry. You're right, Sorry. Austin. <laughs> sick. <Hello? laughs> you still there? Sick, 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 nice. Sick. I should have just been like sick, sick, sick. <laughs> sick. <laughs> Tell us more, man. Fucking rad, bro. <laughs> Yeah. We just sounded like every other podcast there with that pause. It's all right. Yeah, a little bit. It's uh, COVID phone interviews. We're with it. <laughs> Sick. Continue. I'd <laughs> love to hear about how you waited and then made your moves. <laughs> it's coming. No, so Sick. I right. was... <laughs> it's, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Tell us, man. We can't wait. No, you got to have build off. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's doing this. Oh, all right. Hold on. Could it... Sick. Dramatic effect. No, so the the next day, <laughs> fuck. So the, so the next day, the wind was supposed to switch out of the south, switching to southeast, and I was planning on going in there the next morning, Halloween morning, and doing a hang and bang in the dark. In this, basically, where I was planning on hunting, there's a pasture field that pinches down. And a big ravine that runs up, and that ravine kind of, where this thicket, it's hard to explain without being there, but where this thicket's at, and where this ravine's at, it pinches tight at the end of this pasture field, and there was a couple scrapes there, I was planning on going in there and hunting, and I originally planned on going in that morning, Halloween morning, and doing a hang and bang in the dark, and I opted out of it just because I knew I was going to have to probably do some trimming and I didn't know exactly what tree I wanted to be in. And I just felt like going in there in the morning, I was going to take too much time to set up and I was going to do more harm than good. So I stayed out of there that morning and I'll get to it. I'm glad I did. So the day goes on. I didn't hunt that morning. I actually went waterfowl hunting that morning down there and had some fun hung out at camp and around two o'clock I decided to head in got my truck throw my shit in my truck drove around and headed in and you know it's two o'clock plenty early I think at that time it was pre-time change so it's getting dark at I don't know 6 30 yeah six I was figuring on seeing deer around four o'clock so I get up there I get up to kind of where I was planning on setting up, and I set some of my gear down and uh, picked out a tree, went over, hung my sticks, and got up to, you know, where my stand would be to see what I needed to trim, climbed back down, and all I took with me to trim was a pair of loppers. I didn't take, like, a full saw or nothing. So easy, I went easy, up. man. Easy cuts. Those are my favorite. Right. I, it was pretty much timber where I was at, so most of the cover was lower. So I figured anything I'd need to trim, I'd be able to reach with loppers, so I didn't mess with taking 
bulky pull saw in with me. But anyhow, I went in, trimmed what I needed to trim, got back up, and I didn't take my typical mobile setup with me because I was planning on leaving this stand in the tree because I was planning on hunting this area for, you know, the foreseeable future hunting this buck. So I took a, a different stand setup with me and was a pain in the ass to get hung. Took me way longer than I was hoping. By the time I got the stand in the tree, it was pushing 245 probably. So I finally get the stand hung. I had to climb back down to hook my bow up to the pull-up rope. Uh, I had carried an extra jacket in with me so I didn't sweat. I threw that on, threw my pack on, hung my bow up. Climb back up the tree. I had to trim one more branch that was right about neck level in the tree so that when I'm sitting there, I didn't have to be hunchback. <laughs> I hate that. It sucks. That's the worst when you get your stance up and you're just leaning against the tree like, this fucking sucks. You got a knob right behind <laughs> yeah. you or something. You're just like, motherfucker. So I trimmed that off, and I was in a, a big beech tree, so all the leaves I was, or all the branches I was cutting still had leaves on it. So I was like, trim this branch i go to throw it off the tree and like a dumbass i throw it through all these other branches so it makes all this noise i didn't think much of it i hang the loppers up on a different branch in the tree and i go to kind of what i do typically because i i film all my hunts so normally i leave my bow at the base of the tree i get my camera set up and then pull my bow up so I'm going to hang my bow hanger in this tree and I didn't realize how hard these beech trees are. I could not get my bow hanger hung or screwed into the tree. <laughs> I'm talking, it's like five minutes and I'm sitting there. I cannot get it hung and are I'm getting ready to the, wing this thing like across the, the county. We're going on the left or right side. It would be on my left side. So I'm facing the tree on my right Dude, side. I don't know what it is but like with my left arm. I cannot. it's so hard to get that fucker in there. No, they it would not go. You know what like, the trick I'm is? I'm ready to fling this thing from here to Illinois. You know what the trick like, is? What? What's, you take, what's the trick? So I, t- I carry a little backpack hook like this right here on the studio table. Yep. And I, I carry a, a pre- – This is your starter hook. That's your, okay. pre, that's your pre-drill. It's your pre-drill. You take your little mini backpack hook that's got the fine sharp point, jab that motherfucker in there, ah, motherfucker, screw it in, unscrew ah, put your bow hook in there, ah, motherfucker, real free, easy hang. Get that thing screwed in, down to it. <laughs> boom, beat your thing. Lean over. Stab your backpack. Motherfucker. Screw it in, put your back, and you're ready to go. You got a pre-drill. Just like that. See, Damn, but, you just changed the game. By the time you were 30, you would have known. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still trying to think that I'm a, I'm a badass. And it's like, <laughs> no. That's that's a good, I don't even know this. That's a good pro tip. Pre-drill. That is a pro tip. Pro tip. Take your little tiny back, sharp backpack. I'm just going to bring a DeWalt with me. <laughs> <laughs> Not too efficient, man. You're you're thinking like a ladder stand hunter. Yeah, well, I am going back. <laughs> well, it was a ladder stand. That's what I packed in with me. Oh, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> Hanging, banging in a ladder stand. Hanging, banging. Yeah, it was a two man, fifteen foot. We'll call that. Stand. We'll call that hanging and clanging. <laughs> <laughs> hanging and clanging. You got an old Milwaukee impact. <laughs> mm-hmm. Putting your stop. Look for deer. Stop. Look for deer. Your lights on. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, pro tip, pre-drill, backpack hooks. What up? Did you know that, Chaz? No, sir. Did not know that. What's up, Boston? Nux, baby. 
Fuck you, Doug. That's <laughs> I'm like killing deer. I'm sitting there winded. Hey, I'm just saying. Back to your story, Landon. I apologize. Just figured uh, the Lord had to let you know some information. So, guy can't get a break over here. <laughs> He's building up the suspense again. Yeah, here it is. Sick. So I'm sitting there like pissed as shit, getting ready to throw this bow hanger across the county, and I take a break to like kind of regain my mental focus before I jump out of my tree stand. Right. Contemplate life. <laughs> this is death. it. This is it. I'm here. I'm following you. And I'm facing the tree, kind of leaning against it with my left shoulder, and I hear a twig snap. And I'm like, son of a bitch, some stupid-ass doe is standing at 30 yards, going to be looking at me, and this tree's already going to be blown before I even start hunting it. So I slowly start to turn, and I'm looking out of my peripherals, and at 25 yards, my buck's standing there. Mm. And I'm like... Oh my God. Well, I, I just froze. I didn't know what to do. And he's sniffing around where I'd set all my gear down originally, just sniffing my ground scent. Every once in a while, he'd, it was a basically an oak flat right there. He'd feed on acorns, kind of sniff around. And I'm like, shit, what, like, what do I do? My bow's on the ground. I don't have my release on. I haven't taken any ranges. Nothing. And I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, do I take the risk of trying to get my bow up the tree, or do I just sit here, let him walk through, and it's early enough? It's, you know, it's three o'clock. Maybe he'll come back through later tonight. But he's in no hurry. He's like, I don't know why he was just sniffing around my ground scent like that. I've seen some deer sniff your ground scent and completely bug out. And I've seen others sniff your ground scent, and almost it's like a curiosity thing. They just, like, they can't figure out exactly what it is. Yeah, they're just taking it Something. in. They're not alarmed. They're just kind of doing their thing. Yeah, so he's just hanging out, sniffing around. And I was able to spin around, flip my seat down, and sit down real slowly with him at 25 yards, just sniffing around. I got my release on. And I ranged a couple different spots where I thought he might go. Everything was within 25 yards. And now I'm just sitting there. How you get your on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, he's at this point, he's facing me. He's not looking at me, but he's looking my direction, kind of looking through me. So I'm like, I can't pull my bow up now. So at this point, I'm just kind of waiting on him to make a move for me to decide, you know, what the hell do I do? And I'm freaking, like, I didn't even, at this point, honestly, I hadn't freaked out yet because I was in such shock of him being there that I, I didn't know what to think. So eventually he kind of followed my ground scent up to where I had trimmed right around this one scrape. And I had to do a shitload of trimming right there. So he walked up and as he was walking up, there was a bunch of trees in between us. I was able to just start slowly pulling my bow up. And you guys know how it is when you're pulling your bow up and you get the slightest breeze and your bow wants to kind of shift around a little bit. can imagine the anxiety you're going through right now. I'm about to shit my pants a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, 
pulling my bow up as slow as I can do it, trying to keep it from swaying. And he gets the 21 yards and stops. And at that point is when I had my bow in my hand now. And I, like, take my pull-up rope off, and I'm like, holy shit. Now it's really starting to set in that I might actually pull this shit off and <laughs> get a shot off. So I knock an arrow, and where he stopped, there was a big tree running right up his his front leg. So I couldn't shoot him. At the ball. I mean, I could have slung one way in the guts. but Two for two, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> I didn't want another mule deer story. Yeah. So I'm just watching him. I get an arrow knocked, and that's when it set in, and I started shaking. Like, normally, I shake, obviously, you know, when your buck's coming in, but I was, like, uncontrollable. I did not think I was going to be able to pull my bow back. So I'm like, dude, you got to calm down. (laughs) So where he was at, if I sat back in my stand, there was another tree that would block his rack. So I just sat back so I couldn't see his rack anymore and kind of regained myself, but I could still see his ass end. So if he took a step forward and sh- cleared that tree, I'd still be able to see it. So I sat back and uh, I seen him take a step forward. I leaned back forward, drew my bow, settled my pen 21 yards and let him have it and as soon as i shot he took like two bounds and then like hit the ground and started running back towards me but it was one of those runs where he's like so he's like basically crawling and i didn't know what happened i thought i maybe spined him or something so he's running back towards me. I knock another arrow. He's at 10 yards. I didn't even try to stop him. He wasn't moving too fast at that point. I, you know, draw my bow back, get on him, put another arrow through him. And that one hit a little bit high and stopped him. And that's when I seen my first entry hole. And it was perfect. It went, he was quartered away. I quartered through, hit the offside shoulder. I mean, perfect double on. But I put a second arrow in him. And he was stopped at 10 yards from my tree, but he was still sitting there with his head up. And I'm like, my adrenaline is pumping. I'm like, screw it. I'm putting another one in him. Might as yeah. well. Knocked yep. another one and anchored, put it right behind his shoulder and drove another one through him. And he expired right there. I ended up getting down and range and it was eight yards from the base of my tree. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. He was done. Damn. How, how big a buck? He was, I take it, 160 and 78. Woo, that's a big boy. Slammer. Man. Ohio. (laughs) damn. Let's go to Ohio. Everybody to Ohio. (laughs) What's some some crazy-ass stories? That's a badass story. Between the mule deer and then the top it off of that buck, that's... Yeah, I I think we've all probably been there where you're you're not ready and you still have the bow on the ground. You have a yeah. deer come in. I've never had a really big shooter get in real close to me, but I've seen big deer like off in the distance. You're like, oh shit, my bow's still there, and you're scrambling yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. sweating. And I can't imagine having one at twenty yards and looking at my bow on the ground. I've never had that I happen, mean, but I can imagine. And it and it happened so fast. You know, all the, he's laying there at eight yards from my tree, and it's three o'clock. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? So I'm I'm freaking out. I 
pull my phone out of my pocket and I call my girlfriend and I'm like, I just, and she's like, did you fall out of your tree? <laughs> it's like three in the afternoon, you know? No, you I'm goddamn like, bitch. You have no honor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I just shot the biggest fuck of my life. <laughs> Damn, dude. In the way. So I call my dad, I call some of my other buddies and they all start, you know, they're like, on our way, dude. And oh, it yeah. took me like probably 45 minutes to even get down out of the tree because I was just so, I like, starstruck. I'd, for that to happen, it was like the craziest thing that ever happened to me. God, that's and, awesome, uh, man. <laughs> got down and walked back where my truck was parked on the road. Like, everybody that was on their way down would have to drive past my truck to get to camp. So I just walked down to the truck. I had a cooler in my truck, popped the tailgate, sat in the bed, started cracking bush lights, waiting on everybody to arrive. <laughs> Classic, dude. That's awesome, man. He might be young, yeah, but he's was... not dumb. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> dude, what it a good story, man. That is – talk about – man, you just had like the, the most emotional bow season that could have worked out. Yeah. Oh, it was the highest of highs, lowest of lows, and the shortest amounts of time that you could possibly think. <laughs> if you're going to have lows, it might as well be for a short time. and then Right, get yeah. High. That's awesome, dude. Way to kill it, man. Congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Hell yes, Thank dude. you. Good job. Congrats, Landon. So what date was this? This was this was Halloween, so October 31st. Man, you didn't even get to kill a buck in November. He's used to I've... that, though. Honestly, yeah, I've yeah. only killed one mature buck in the month of November. Well, even better. That's a calculated man right there. Yep. Good work, dude. That's a good story. And it's like what nightmares and dreams are made of all at the same time. And I, I, live, <laughs> I live with like a paranoia of that situation a little bit. Like if you're like, man, should I put my release in my pocket or whatever? Take it out of my pack. Yep, you should. Always. I wear mine in. Yeah. I, I either You're have in mine clip. in or in my side pocket on my right side so I can reach in and grab it yep. and put it on. Um, I, I you would th- think I would have learned by now to <laughs> wear mine in. I had a similar situation in 2017. I had a buck in the middle of November. I actually didn't know the buck, but I'd have shot him. wasn't the buck I was hunting, but he came in directly underneath me, could have spit on him, and... By the time I got my bow into the tree, I didn't have my release on, and he got through without getting an arrow through him. But I didn't <laughs> learn from that encounter to, hey, dumbass, where you're releasing so you're ready to rip. Yeah, my, my process is I, my release is always in my pocket if I can help it. You know, now, you know, every something weird might happen, I might not have it. But if I do a hang and bang, I pre-drill. Take note. Pre-drill. Pre-drill. Put my bow hanger in, and then immediately pull my bow, bow up. up. Then yeah. I do everything else. Mm-hmm. So knock, knock an arrow. I sh- even if I shoot a deer in the heart and it goes twenty yards and dies, my other, my second arrow is knocked before that deer hits the ground. Yeah, always get ready for the second shot, just in case. Shoot him if you got him. That's right. That's that's how I was. I was like, second arrow went through him, and his head was still up. I'm like, dude, you're getting a third. Yeah, you sh- if I can shoot you, you're sh- getting arrows slung yeah, into yeah, your body you until you, you do. Plus, it's just fun in the heat of the moment. Like, just yeah. keep sending them. Why not? Right. Because yeah. if you uh, don't, you're going to wish you would have. Yeah, if you get an opportunity to put one in him, put one in him. Yeah. 
The buck I, I just shot. Picture in my luck, he's gonna stand up and take off running. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And where I was sitting, if he would have rolled to the bottom of this ravine, kind of off the backside where I was sitting, it would have been a pain in the ass to get him out of there. I'm like, shish nope, kebab his ass to the ground. That's <laughs> I shot a buck in 2018 in like mid October. He ran in, double lunged him, ran up on the hill, and I'm looking at him because he was just standing there. And I'm like, all right, that hole is perfect. So I knocked another arrow and I drew back. And I was going to aim for the exact same <laughs> right the Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Let's do some damage here. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot of damage. I was like, all right, aim right there. And I was like, wait, no, he's dying. And then he fell. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, man, how cool would that be? Put two arrows to the same hole. I hit him twice. That's Where? Cocky. Unless he won. <laughs> hey, well, look closer. We'll never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The closer one. Congrats, man. Crazy. That's awesome. Thank you. That's crazy and awesome. What a mess, but you're good. <laughs> I couldn't imagine yeah, trying to get it my bow while looking at, time, at it, but... 160. It's like, Goo, yeah. well, you can't ever have it come simply, man. You got to have a little bit of excitement. Well, and... it made for a better story, too. Right. 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 So I appreciate you making up all that stuff for the podcast. Yeah, thank you for doing yeah. that. Yeah. It took some time <laughs> to make all that shit up, so you guys better appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I had it written out and everything. PowerPoint. Taking easy hunt stories. Pause for break. And making – yeah, pause for break, Kurt Q. Sick. Nice. Well, in all seriousness, you're – at a young age, you're a very accomplished hunter and a pretty good storyteller too. So really looking forward to what happens next year. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. That's uh, – for being 22 years old, kill a stud, yeah. a, a 60s muley, and then a 60s whitetail – in the same season not many guys have done that in their entire life let alone at age 22 right no no i'm very thankful and very lucky to to do what i do and had the opportunities i've had well huge accomplishment man and and we're super thankful to have you represent working class bow hunter man and and everything you've done for us and just helping us spread the word and and supporting us and everything means a lot so glad to have you apart man and, and glad to have you on the podcast no, and thank you guys, too. I mean, this Team WCB has been awesome. Just to have that have that Facebook group and basically have a whole bunch of new friends and everybody keeps everybody updated on their seasons and posts their success, I mean, posts their failures, I mean, what it's all about. And it's been cool just to follow everybody else's season and, you know, it's like a family. Yeah. It's cool, man, what, it, what it's kind of turned into, like, intentionally, but sort of unintentionally at the same time, you know? Yeah, I didn't yeah. think it would be, like, this uh, close, no. I guess. I honestly thought, like, you're, oh, yeah, we're going to make a team, whatever. Yeah, here's my buck. I thought it might be that that for sure, I thought. But, like, I thought it was going to be maybe more of a pain in the ass. But it kind of, like, runs itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's right. awesome. And yeah. at time is hard to get in there and, like, do things we want to do. But as we progress because of the team and because of all the listener support like it allows us to do more rolling in to 21 like we have a lot of stuff planned oh, yeah. um, that includes these people we have on the team um, in areas of the country they're in and and I'm not talking just rep reports because that's not, I know that's everything everyone just ran to that a lot of people do that it's popular but um, a lot of things in store outside of that um, that we can get to and, and kind of just spread knowledge in a community throughout the entire country so it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, a lot to look forward to, man. A lot of growth going on yet, and uh, man, just a lot of brainstorming and 
just a lot of sick wage stuff. Wage brainstorming. Sick stuff. Sick. Sick stuff. Yeah. yeah. A lot of really sick things we have sick, in store sick, for sick, you. Sick, 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 So, no, man, it's been awesome to have you. And and Chaz in the studio, man, we, we do appreciate it. I know it's your second podcast. You're a big podcaster yeah, now. Chaz, yeah. Chaz yeah. big boy now. But, Hopefully uh, I'm invited back. And Landon, keep up the good work. You're killing it, man. I uh, Thanks, man. Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a... Uh, Sickly jealous. Exactly. <laughs> Damn. So cool. Let's round table it out and then we can call it a day. Landon, what you got, buddy? Uh, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. Thanks for having me on the team. And uh, hopefully the rest of you boys will get to kill some big bucks before season's over. <laughs> a lot of season left. Ouch. That's right. Well, glad to have you, man. Thank you so much. Doug, what do you got? Uh, glad you're on the team, Landon, and uh, congrats on your season. That's pretty crazy, both crazy ass stories. That's uh, you don't hear that too Great often. Great made up but, stories. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> must have been good writer in your high school class or something. But uh, fiction. <laughs> I'm an English major. Oh, oh, okay, it makes sense now. Fiction. Sick. Sick. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> uh, Jazz. Think, <laughs> oh, sorry, Doug. You weren't done. And uh, good luck, everybody in the season. Still, I'm gonna go shoot some big ones. Hopefully, you got this, man. I hope so. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> He's all doubtful. <laughs> I, I hope you're right. <laughs> Chaz? Wayne, keep up the good work. Thanks for joining us. You're you're killing it out there. You better top it next year. We're looking forward to the podcast already. Ooh, um, I like ooh. that. Confidence, man. If you haven't killed a deer yet, keep grinding. I know us Iowa boys, the shotgun season starts this coming weekend, but we still got late season bow if you haven't killed one yet. and I'm looking forward to late season muzzleloader. Might try to get out and shoot one with my bow. Get it, man. Get it. The Lord? Uh, crazy stories, man. Really enjoyed it. Uh, just enjoy seeing everything that you contribute to the team. So, like I said, really looking forward to what you do next year. Thank you. And all I got to say is congrats, man. I enjoyed the made-up stories. It was awesome. <laughs> to kill a big muley and a big whitetail is a, is a big accomplishment at, at 22 especially. Um, like like I'm 50 and I'm talking down to my, my <laughs> youth. Like like we're already done. Like, like we're yeah. tired. <laughs> good to look back on the old days, Landon. Back in my day. You got a good seven years ahead of you, buddy. <laughs> You'll get there. Now, uh, just big thank you, everybody, team working class, all the listeners. Appreciate the hell out of you. And you know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you.